Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 198 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday, March 8th, 2020. The Duke Blue Devils have defeated the North Carolina Tar Heels for the second time this season, but for the first time at Cameron Indoor. They won going away last night against Carolina. We are going to get into all of that, but first, of course, introductions. I am your host this week, Sam Klein. I am coming to you from Durham. As always, I was at the game last night in attendance with me was Jason Evans. Jason came up from Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Jason, good morning. You you drove back late last night. So how you feeling today? Uh, a little bit tired, uh, a little bit hoarse. Uh, I was on press <laughs> you, row. You, you sound like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you are familiar with the the some of the more crazy crazies, there's that kid who dresses as the Cookie Monster and has a Cookie Monster uh, stuffed animal uh, that he waves around and stuff like that. He's on TV all the time. I was on press row seated right in front of him. Um, Great guy. If you're out there, dude, and you're listening, shouts. Uh, At one point, point, they were announcing all the Blue Devils that were at the game. Uh, And there were a ton of former Blue Devils, uh, former players who were at the game. And they said Jay Billis. And the Cookie Monster guy goes, wait a second, is Jay Billis really a dookie? I, I had no idea. And I turned around to him and I said, what? And he said, dude, I'm just kidding. So I'm the idiot boomer. <laughs> I'm the idiot old guy who like didn't recognize the obvious joke. Jason, anyway, you can't you can't hang anymore. The crazies were in great form, and I had a great time uh, chatting with them, and uh, it was just awesome. All right, and Donald Wine is also here. He is coming to us from somewhere remote. So, Donald, uh, where are you? I am in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I was in Brooklyn all weekend for a bachelor party for one of my good friends. But don't worry, guys. I saw the entire game, and let me tell you, nothing is finer than beating Carolina. So let's talk about that then. Uh, Donald, we know that you've got limited time on the show today for some other commitments, so I'm going to let you go first. Tell me about what you saw on TV, and then Jason and I will sort of give the reactions from inside the stadium. Well, first off, uh, I know you guys were there, so you guys already know this, but standing ovation to everyone who was inside Cameron Indoor State, out as hell in there. And at times, it, it, you could feel the energy coming through on the TV screen. So everyone who was there, you guys provided a huge boost, not just to the people that were playing on the court last night, but to everyone who was watching. So sta- standing ovation to all of you guys that were in attendance uh, last night, first of all. Now to the game. I really love the energy that we started out from the opening tip. I think that's partly being in Cameron, it being senior night, uh, as you guys know. And they really gave us a boost in the stat sheet initially, like in the case of Jack White and Jam Delorier. But they, those guys came with some energy, and we needed that from the start because, you, as you guys know, these games are all about energy. That is what makes the difference. And I think Justin Robinson, who is my player of the week because – he came with that energy all night. He, you know, he had those two threes early on. He was, you know, active on defense and really just the interior was, it felt calm with him in the game, which you haven't heard, you know, when you say Justin Robinson, you don't say, oh man, we're in a calm state of affairs. The last few weeks we've seen that. So I really enjoyed that he was able to put that all together and be one of the stars against Carolina, one of the, you know, in the biggest game in college basketball. So that was the other thing. I thought we looked pretty good there, but 
at the end of the day, we got the job done by shooting well from the outside and also inside, you know, really handling the paint and really going at them in the interior. UNC likes to get a lot of um, a lot of second chance points, a lot of offensive rebounds. And we were able to, you know, turn that on them. We didn't really, you know, we, we kind of kept them together. And at the end of the day, we did what we need to do to get done. Cameron was lit last night. I wish I was there with you guys because I wanted to experience that. But the good thing is that you guys that were there were able to bring that energy to us that worked. So uh, hats off to everybody. What a great night it was in Cameron. And really, just what a great night for the Blue Devils. All right. I'm going to give it to Jason Evans. And Jason, I will ask you, because I don't, I don't know the last time you were at a Duke UNC game uh, sort of in the building, but – what were your impressions of of Cameron first? I know that Donald was impressed by seeing it on TV. What were your impressions of Cameron? And then I want you to talk a little bit more about the battle that was going on in the interior last night between primarily Vernon Carey and Garrison Brooks. Yeah, wow, what a battle that was. I, I, I agree. Let me get to that in, in just a moment and start by saying um, I'm so glad that Donald was able to see and sense the energy through through the television that, that was in that building, um, it was absolutely electric. And I think that all of us see a little piece of ourselves in Justin Robinson. And as a result, the fans just love him so, so, so much. And I think we see ourselves in him because we go, here's a guy that was just thrilled to be on the team. You know, uh, he, he never thought he'd be a big-time college basketball player, um, he worked, worked really, really hard. Uh, but I think five years in the program, I think Justin probably never thought he would be playing the role that he's playing now. And, and I think all of us sort of go, wow, wouldn't it be fun? It'd be awesome to, to be a part of the program, even though I know I don't have the, the talent or the skills to, to really impact games. And lo and behold, suddenly Justin Robinson has found the talent and the skills and he's impacting games in a huge way. And so like when they introduced the seniors, when the seniors gave their senior speeches after the game, as much as we love Javin Delorier and Jack White, as much as we love Trey Jones and, and Vernon Carey and all the other guys in the team, there's this little extra love for Justin Robinson. You can hear it in the crowd's applause and cheers. So I bring all of that up to say there was this moment in the second half when uh, it was still a reasonably close game and Carolina went up for a shot. Uh, I think it was Armando Baycott went up for a shot on the interior, a couple feet from the basket and J Rob went up with him and stuffed his shot. And then there was like a scrum for the rebound. And somehow J Rob was the guy who came out with the rebound. Okay. Duke has not scored. He blocked a shot and grabbed a rebound. The place went bonkers. I, it was it was crazy how loud it was. I could feel my, my seat was physically moving, was shaking. The table I was sitting at was shaking on press row because there was so much energy and so much volume in the arena. And I thought this is the loudest I've heard Cameron, you know, in the 30 years since I was a regular going to every single game. Cause I was at Duke and, and I was like, uh, you know, I was, so thrilled to be there to experience that. And I was also, look, on press row, I'm supposed to be impartial. Screw that. I was screaming my, you know, just going crazy. Um, so that was the loudest until about 10 seconds later when J-Rob buried a three-pointer, a dagger 
that probably was, you know, it didn't end the game because there was still too much time left. But that was the moment where I think everyone in the building sensed we're going to win this game. And uh, and again, the place got even louder than it had moments earlier. So that was the energy that was pulsating. And by pulsating, I mean the whole building was moving. It was it was incredible. It was so great. And you can't say enough about the impact that Justin Robinson had on this game. Four block shots. By the way, he he set or tied career highs in minutes played, points, assists, block shots, and rebounds. I'd say that's a pretty good game. <laughs> he was he was remarkable. And, and I know we're gonna get to him more later on, but Sam, you tasked me. I, I will actually get to what you asked to, to talk about the battle between Vernon Carey and Garrison Brooks, uh, who who I believe will both be first team all ACC players, clearly the two best big men in the conference. No offense to John Mooney, who is a very, very fine player for Notre Dame. But this was the matchup between the two best big men in the ACC, the two most complete big men. Um, I want to give huge credit to Carolina. They played hard. They played with a lot of energy. They are really impressive on the inside. I mean, Armando Baycott, this is a kid who goes, he does not have a lot of skills, except he goes after rebounds. And every time he was in the game, when, when a shot went up, I was sure he was going to get the rebound. So, uh, you know, he was working hard. Uh, Garrison Brooks was working unbelievably hard. Garrison Brooks had nine offensive rebounds. That is a crazy number. That is a ton of offensive rebounds. Nine? Wow. Um, but I thought Vernon Carey and, uh, and, and J-Rob were battling those guys as best they could. And, and really, it, it was almost a standoff on the inside. Uh, you know, I, we, had, we were able to get points out of Vernon off the fast break, off of Duke running. We got points off of... Uh, we got points for Vernon that way. And then the second half, we were getting him the ball in the post more. We ran a couple really nice pick and rolls with him. Um, and we were scoring in that way. If you play Carolina to a to a, to a a tie uh, on the inside, then the Tar Heels are in real trouble because their perimeter game is just not that good. And uh, so so for Duke to, to match Brooks and Baycott and the other Carolina bigs um, with our bigs, that, that's why we had the advantage. I mean, and if you look at the stats and the such from this game, the place where Duke had a clear advantage was, was in the outside shooting, um, both from three and just, you know, uh, in terms of ability to take the ball to the basket with our guards and, and finish well, something Carolina was not able to do at all. Cole Anthony kept on getting in the lane and taking bad shots. So I thought that was the story of the game to some extent, the fact that we matched their energy on the inside because, boy, were they bringing it. Um and, and this is a this is this Carolina team is the best. I'll say it right now they're the they're the best last place ACC team, but they are still a last place ACC team. Um, <laughs> they're the best last last place ACC team I can recall. Uh, you know, and uh, this is a good good win because they were capable of beating you know any team last night. It's just Duke. I thought played one of their better games of the season. All right, Donald, I know you have to go pretty soon. So give me some some parting words on Justin Robinson. I know Jason kind of teed it up for you. So so give us your thoughts on this late season emergence of of Duke's preferred walk on. First of all, I, I think it's it's a renaissance in the sense that I'm trying to think of a, of, of a player who really came on late in the season like this. And the thing I, I compare him most to 
was Brian Zubik in 2010. But I feel like it's more than that because I don't know. There's a couple of things that you guys that you can see on TV that you may not be able to see when you're in the stands or on press row. But every single time there was a foul and every single time that happens, you know, our guys kind of get in a little huddle. Usually throughout the season, people have been looking at Trey Jones, maybe Jordan Goldwire, maybe Javon Delorier or Jack White to see, hey, what's the next play? What are we doing? How do we get out of this? Last night, they were looking at Justin Robinson. Justin Robinson was the guy that was calming people down if they're if they're upset. He was one that was hyping people up after they get, you know, Vernon Carey get an and one or something like that. And that's something that I haven't seen in, you know, in, in what I can remember since I've been a dude fan. This is something that I think is unprecedented, that we're looking that a preferred walk-on uh, is, is now showing up and becoming the leader for this team, the heart and soul of this team, the guy that they look to to make, you know, if, if we needed a, a stop, he would get the stop. If we needed a basket, he would go and figure out a way to get the, either make the basket or create one. This guy has really come on in a way that I haven't seen any Duke player. And like you said, uh, like you said, J- uh, Jason, it is one of those you know stories. Everyone, like you said, every one of us has a bit of piece of what Justin Robinson brings to the table. We, you know, all these things that we thought we could do. Like I think it was Coach. He's not Rudy. He's better than that. Yeah, yes, he is. He's a much better basketball player than Rudy was at football. But that feel-good story part of it is is still present. And I really enjoyed watching him walk off the court in his last game in Cameron as a winner against UNC. That's someone, of course, you want to do that for all the seniors, but you kind of feel a little bit more uh, for some reason for Justin Robinson. That is you wanted him to go out a winner as, as much as he's worked, as hard as he's worked to get to this point where he's now leading one of the best teams in the country that you want. Those are the stories that you love. And that's the story that college basketball should be focusing on if we're being frank. Uh, but one thing I will also add, Jason, you also talked about UNC. That was a really good UNC team we played last night. I think that was a team that was better than the team we faced a few weeks ago in Chapel Hill. And no question like about you it. said, they're probably the, one of the best. Yeah, they're probably one of the best you know, 15 seeds or 14 seeds ever. Like this team is going to probably surprise some people in the ACC tournament. Now, will they win it? I don't think so. I hope not, obviously. But I would not be surprised just, you know, as we approach this ACC tournament that they make some noise in the ACC tournament, maybe knock off a a team or two and get to that quarterfinal or semifinal. This is going to be a team that we may see again. So while we're happy about this game, know that in Greensboro next week, they're still going to bring their fans. They're still going to have their people and they're still going to play basketball. And last night, they're going to beat some teams along the way. And we should be prepared to maybe face them again at some point, because who knows what could happen in this tournament. And so I want to give them credit for how they played, but really hats off to our team and to our fans for showing up last night, because that was the game. If UNC could have played their hearts out, and still would have lost last night because of people like you guys that were in the stands. Uh, That's, it's nice of you to say, I think the players in the court also, uh, also brought it. I mean, you mentioned, uh, and coach K talked about the post game. I was in coach K's uh, post game press conference. He talked about the energy that the seniors brought at the start of the game. He said it was one of our best starts to a game all year. Duke has suffered lately from, from poor starts to game. Um, and, uh, and having the three seniors out there really helped elevate the, the energy, but 
you know, going back to Justin Robinson, Coach K talked about, you know, he made the Rudy comparison. He said he's better than Rudy. But, but he talked about the fact that Justin Robinson is such a smart player, um, brings so much intellect to the court. Uh, yes, he brings a ton of emotion, uh, which, which the crowd and the team feeds off of. But, but this is a guy, we, we've mentioned it before, this is a guy who, who runs the scouting team for Duke. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll continue to do that because they need. He's clearly now part of the rotation, the depth, the 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 main guys who are going to play a lot. But when he wasn't playing a lot, he was playing a role in practice in telling the other guys what kind of things they needed to do, what they needed to look out for against opponents. And Coach K said, "J. Rob knows everything. He's tough. He's smart. Uh, you know, he's made us better." And and the best part of the Coach K news conference where he's talking about Justin Robinson was he said, you know, he'd been playing, he started playing better in practice fairly recently. And the other coaches, the assistant coaches, came to Coach K and they said, Don't don't we have to play him? He is playing so well in practice. He is clearly we need to stop looking at him like a walk-on. And we need to give this guy a chance. And Coach K said, you know, obviously they gave him a chance against Wake Forest. And the story since then has just been incredibly special his ability to coach k talked about j rob's ability to play the four or the five um and his ability to step outside and stretch the defense and create space for vernon carey in that way um it, it, it's a special story about a player who is becoming a duke legend that you know a week and a half two weeks ago was an afterthought was you know he was he was a nice kid who was one of the many walk-ons that that we love and admire, but, but don't really think about in terms of impacting games. And that has turned a complete 180. And, and what a great, great story it is. And Coach K was, you know, I don't want to say he was choked up, but he, he's clearly moved when he talks about the role that J-Rob is playing on the team right now. It's, it's really great to see. All right. I know that we're about to lose Donald. So, Donald, give us a, a quick parting shot, and then we will talk to you again later this week, probably about the ACC tournament. Uh, no partner shot for me. I just want to, you know, those of you guys out there, we, we always like to make sure we're on the same tile, three different schedules, three different, we live in three different places. It was cool for me to be able to a bachelor party, but also at the same time, be able to jump on for this uh, and watch the game and, and really take that in and, and really observe, be able to talk with you guys about this. Cause this is the part of the week that we all look forward to. So, uh, thanks for having me on. I, I will short this week, but I appreciate us making this work uh, as we always do. Hey, and Donald, if it matters, uh, player of the week, we can do player of the week right now. You already said Justin Robinson. I will also say J-Rob is the clear player of the week. No question about it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I'll leave you in suspense for the end of the show to see if we make it three for three. So, Donald, thanks, and we will talk to you again soon. All right, guys. So, Jason, I wanted to come back to you for a second. I'm going to talk in a minute about what I saw from from Trey Jones in the Duke backcourt last night. But I wanted to finish our quick discussion of the big men and and the seniors because you not only were at the presser last night, but you did get to go into the locker room and talk to Jack White. So um, why don't we take a listen to what he had to say and uh, and then we'll come right back. Smile, All right, Jack. So senior day, obviously incredibly exciting. You got the start 
Uh, tell me what the emotions were like. You've seen other guys go through this. What's it like to go through it yourself? Oh, man, you can't really explain it until, you know, understand what it's like to go through it yourself, man. It's just, you know, bittersweet. You know, it's just I can't believe how fast the four years have gone by. Um, you know, I'm just super grateful. And, uh, and, you know, obviously happy that we came out with the win and, you know, finished off my career here in, in Cameron, you know, the right way. So I've been in this locker room several times and I've never seen the entire press corps gathered in that corner around Justin Robinson's locker. Tell me how, how shocking, yeah, Mike, and how, how shocking is it that, that this is how his career ends up? I mean, I'm not shocked, honestly, man. You know, he's, he works day in and day out. You know, man, he deserves it at anyone. You know, he's, he's an ultimate teammate. You know, he's the ultimate guy that you want to have on your team. And, you know, you see before the game, you know, he's talking to every single guy, making sure that, that we're good. And, um, you know, it's just so awesome to see him have that kind of success and step up in, in a huge game. And, man, I just couldn't be happier for him, man. Like, he's, you know, he's one of the best best guys we've ever met, for real. It's great to hear. Hey, good luck the next week and weeks and weeks and weeks beyond. Appreciate it. Thank you. So the really cool part about being in the locker room, uh, you heard me ask Jack about it there at the end. There was an unbelievable media scrum around Justin Robinson. I've been in the Duke locker room on many occasions, and it, I've, I've sometimes gone and chatted with Justin because usually he's just kind of you know getting dressed. There's no one around him. No one's talking to him. Uh, you know, pe- The press tends to congregate around the guys who are the story of the game. It was unreal <laughs> walking into the locker room and literally and, – and it's the Carolina game, so there are a ton of reporters – Literally every reporter in the place ran over and was just surrounding Justin Robinson. His locker's sort of at the at the very edge, at the very end of of one row of of the lockers in the locker room, and it was it was bigger than the scrums that I saw last year for Zion Williamson. There were more reporters clamoring to talk to J Rob when that game ended than than some of the times I was in the locker room last year for Zion. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just such a great story. And, uh, and I love, by the way, uh, you know, that you could, you could tell that Jack and Javin really were, were loving how much Justin is, is impacting the team. I think that's, it, it, it's a great story for fans. It's a great story for the team. And, uh, uh, they, they are clearly loving what, what is happening and, and the energy that, uh, J-Rob is bringing, but Hey, dude, you got to talk. We got to talk about Trey Jones and Cole Anthony. That that was a big mismatch. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that we talked about coming into this game and and for the last UNC game is that Cole Anthony was hurt for a good chunk of the season. He finally comes back and is in and is in some way it feels like still kind of integrating with the rest of the offense. What was awesome last night was how much Trey Jones and to a lesser extent, Jordan Goldwire and Wendell Moore were frustrating Anthony into not taking good shots. He he barely scored last night. He had to dump the ball off a bunch of times. Of course, we mentioned that Garrison Brooks and, and UNC's inside presence was was able to score. But Anthony was was kind of off his game last night in large thanks to the Duke defense and then taking that same matchup and flipping it to the under other end of the court. Trey Jones had a, had a great night um, was really slowing the ball down, pl- making Carolina play at his pace. He was especially in the second half uh, kind of letting a little bit of time run off the clock and letting the Duke offense sort of develop slowly. I think the downside to it is that 
I'm not clear that that Duke has good offensive sets that that they're able to you know rifle through as they're as they're going play after play after play but Jones was very deliberate he was very calm and he was able to frustrate Anthony a little bit and I don't know how much of this came out on TV Jason I'm sure you noticed this that Trey Jones and Cole Anthony were jawing at each other last night a, a fair amount. They, one would make a basket or, or make a good pass and then would turn back to the other one. I saw it happen a couple times. And oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. You know, because the I think one of the interesting things about the Duke-UNC rivalry is that, of course, the fan bases love to get into it and, and everyone associated with it gets into it. But the players, for the most part, are guys who come from, you know, the same elite high school basketball circuit. A lot of them know each other. A lot of them were, were on recruiting trips together or playing AAU together. I'm sure that this is not, that this season is not the first time that Trey Jones and Cole Anthony have played against each other, given that they're just one year apart coming up through the AAU ranks. So they must've known each other at some point. And, and often these guys, even when they go to rival schools can still be friends. Jones and Anthony were not friends last night. They were they were feeling the rivalry as much as anybody. So I think, you know, on top of all the atmosphere in Cameron, I think seeing that matchup play out and seeing Trey Jones have such a good night uh, against what is supposed to be UNC's best player in Cole Anthony, a guy who is going to be, is probably going to be a lottery pick coming into the draft this summer. For Jones to have a night like that, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's one other name I want to bring up. You, you talked about, I, I thought Jordan Goldwire also played very good defense in this game, didn't contribute very much at all on offense. Um, but, but that's you yeah, know, that's sort of what yeah. we expect, though, from Goldwire, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And his, his, offense his, defense was enough, his defense was enough to be to be effective last night and for him to be in the flow of the game. Absolutely. But the guy I wanted to mention was Cassius Stanley, who uh, I, I thought had a, had a really nice game. Duke didn't get out on the um, didn't get Cassius out on the fast break like against NC State part of the story was Cassius getting out on the fast break and getting all those dunks and the such Cassius wasn't getting to the rim in the same way in this game that he did against NC State Duke Duke was running but we were running with Vernon Carey and our big men more than we were with with Cassius Stanley on the wing but but Cassius had a you know, he buried some huge three-pointers, had a really nice game from the perimeter. I thought he was fighting inside really well. He, uh, Vernon Carey had 10 rebounds, but uh, Cassius tied Justin Robinson for the second most rebounds in the team with six. One of the huge keys to this game was Duke not getting crushed on the boards by Carolina. Carolina ended up beating us 38 to 37 in rebounds, but Carolina's a truly great rebounding team and and for Duke to basically play them to a standoff on the boards was a, a big part of why we were able to to win the game um and and I thought Cassius was was really strong fighting for rebounds I thought he had a really nice game handling the ball and dealing with pressure when Carolina was was bringing it a little bit um I, I just I just wanted to mention him because I, I really thought he he played very nicely. I, I I also thought Wendell Moore played pretty well. He's still out of control on offense, but he was another guy who who went to the boards really strong and and um, you know was better with the ball maybe than he is uh, some other time. So I, I just wanted to let those guys know. Keep it up, dudes. This is this is where we need to go. It's interesting on the rotation. You talked about how Justin Robinson has sort of forced his way in, and the assistant coaches were sort of all realizing that over the last couple of weeks. The other thing about about Stanley playing well enough and, and Goldwire playing well enough and, and more is that, you know, we say that, oh, Duke has has all this depth. Coach K doesn't love playing with a ton of depth. That's not really his style. 
Stanley Moore, Goldwire, Robinson, all of those guys being able to step up and take a little bit more of the load is now giving Coach K the opportunity to shorten the rotation in a way that feels more comfortable to him. You know, if you want to put the positive spin on it, those guys are just good enough. The negative side would be Alex O'Connell and Joey Baker and and Jack White and to a lesser extent, Javin Delorier have fallen off a bit. Matthew Hurt only played nine minutes last night and wasn't super effective. So it's yeah, weird I, to I, see. I, it's I think weird it's a tough those guys have fallen. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Carolina's uh, just really quick. Carolina's a tough matchup, I think, for Matthew Hurt because they are so physical on the inside, and that's the part of the Matthew Hurt needs strength. Uh, and needs physicality, um, and, and and so he's a poor matchup for them. Uh, J. Rob, who's older, significantly, you know, four or five years older, and, and and has been playing college basketball for a long time, is better able to match the physicality. So I think Matthew Hurt, we're going to see a matchup thing with him. There are going to be some opponents where he's going to be able to be very effective, but there are going to be opponents that are more physical where it's going to be tough for him. But keep continue. Sorry, but ignoring the ignoring who started because I think there was a bit of sentiment around the starting lineup last night ignoring that you can see that there's really last night there was really a seven-man rotation going on and that jones goldwire moore and stanley are the only guards slash wing players that are that are in rotation at the moment we don't know what's going to happen this week if duke wants to win the acc tournament they're going to have to do it against three tough opponents i mean it, it is We'll we'll get to the ACC preview in a second, but they have to play three tough opponents in three days to win. So you have to imagine that Coach K has everybody on alert for foul trouble, injuries, fatigue. All of that is going to be in play in the ACC tournament. If Duke wants to be ACC champions, guys like Baker or O'Connell or Hurt or White are going to have to step up in some way because I'm not clear that that just the team as constituted can carry that whole load. But um, so it, it's just it's just sort of interesting to see how that's all developing. It was impressive, though, uh, the contribution that Duke got from Stanley, despite the fact that he wasn't high flying or or any of that last night. So we'll keep it up and look ahead at the ACC tournament right after this break. So we'll be back later this week to do a more formal ACC tournament preview, but we have the ACC tournament bracket out, so we would be remiss if we didn't comment briefly on it. Duke is the number four seed, which is a little bit of a bummer given where they were a couple weeks ago in 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 position to take the top spot, but they're the number four seed. They will play a game against either NC State, Wake Forest, or Pittsburgh on Thursday afternoon in Greensboro. The championship game is Saturday. If Duke wins that first game, they will play a semifinal match that will likely be against Florida State. Although if Clemson or Miami upsets Florida State, then then one of those teams could be in play. Jason, give me your general thoughts on the ACC tournament bracket as it stands and what maybe you expect uh, heading into Greensboro. So in terms of of where Duke falls in the bracket, I, I'm I'm actually... I'm I'm glad um, that we're going to avoid. There are a couple teams that that I really wanted to avoid. I I, I did not want uh, to 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 play Syracuse. I think Syracuse with their zone sort of messes you up sometimes. Um, you know, and even if you manage to beat them, I think sometimes there's sort of a lag effect 
of of playing against that zone and and in the same way i think playing against virginia and virginia's really physical defense can can mess you up a bit so i was glad to see both of those teams on the other side of the bracket from duke um i i'm I, well, I don't think it was like ever going to be all that likely that Duke was going to play Carolina. I'm kind of glad to see Carolina on the other side of the bracket. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, we've got the two. I'm looking at it, Jason, yeah. on, that, on that topic. I'm looking at the game times for this week. And the first time that Duke and UNC fans would probably be in the building at the same time is during the semifinals in opposite matches anyway. So you won't turn on the ACC tournament during a Duke game, probably, and see the whole stadium awash in baby blue, which is something that often happens at these events. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm glad for, for that kind of stuff. Um, look, uh, you know, we're going to have, we're probably going to have NC State um, it's possible. Uh, I, I could see Wake or Pitt maybe getting through there, but but I think probably we're going to have NC State in our first game. And uh, we we saw what happened. They 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 beat our pants off once. Um, we they they then played us pretty even for a half, and then we blew their their doors off in the second half. The uh, you know the recent game earlier this week. Um, so we know they can play with us. So that's a that's a tough it's a tough matchup. But you know the ACC tournament is never easy. Um, and, uh, I, 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 I think what we've seen the past game and a half, the Carolina game and the second half against NC state gives me hope that I think this Duke team has, has figured out what works at this time of year. And, uh, I, I feel pretty good about where we are coming into this tournament. I, I, I still think that a NCAA tournament two seed is very, very much on the table for Duke. Uh, but, but we got to take care of business and, and it all starts um, in the quarterfinals on Thursday against either NC State or Wake Forest or Pittsburgh. Yeah, the thing that is making me a little bit more scared is that Duke in its semifinal game would have to get Florida State rather than Louisville or Virginia. Florida and they're, State, playing the, they're playing the best of anybody yeah, in the ACC Florida right State, Florida State got the number one seed in the ACC tournament by playing really well down the stretch and by both Louisville and Virginia having having a couple losses there at the end of the season along with Duke. So that game would be tough. But as you note, Jason... I think Duke should be looking at this tournament as an opportunity to recapture that two seed, which could be the difference between Duke staying somewhere in Eastern time or central time throughout the tournament or having to go out West to potentially. So I think the blue devils will be motivated to, to beat those teams. They know that Florida state is good. They know if they play NC state in the first game that, that NC state is in decent position to be getting into the tournament. So Duke could have, you know, if, if they win, they get, three games in three days against three tournament teams, um, two of whom are going to be high seeds, you know, if, if it's Florida State and then Louisville or Virginia on the other side. So an exciting ACC tournament. Like I said, we'll come back and do a bit more on that in a couple days. When, hey, hey, when Donald, just really, back, really, give me, really quick. Jason, give, me a, give me a final word before we before we head to yeah, the, sure. the closing thoughts. Yeah, so, so the final word I have on this is um, we're talking about NCAA seeding. Uh, San Diego State lost uh, in their conference tournament. Um, I, I'm not going to say that they threw the game, but I think that they are probably thrilled that they lost because that means that San Diego State is going to be the number two seed in the West rather than potentially being the number one seed in the East. They preferred to be number two in the West, I believe. It also means that Dayton is now almost certainly the number one seed in the East. It was possible that Dayton could have been the number two seed in the East. They are now clearly, I think, going to be the number one seed in the East. That opens up very nicely 
for the winner of the ACC tournament, which I hope will be Duke. Whoever I'm telling you right now, whoever wins the ACC tournament is probably going to be the number two seed in the East. Um, maybe uh, not Virginia, but Mar- uh, well, you know. and and Maryland is also lurking as a um, as someone that's sort of in that same range. But there's, I think there are too many there are too many games between now and then for us to know if Maryland Maryland wins the Big Ten tournament and and beats a couple good teams on the way that that bodes well for them. If Maryland flames out, or if they only, or if they only get to play the sort of lower half of of that conference, maybe they don't have the quite the resume that a Duke would have beating a say a Florida State and a Louisville on the way to the championship. I'll I'll merely say this, and, and we're going to do much more bracketology coming up. Uh, if Duke if Duke or Florida State win the ACC tournament, whichever one of them wins the ACC tournament between Duke and Florida State will be the number two seed in the East. Um, I, I, hear you about, I heard you about Maryland. Um, they, they, they cannot, even if they win the big 10 tournament, I don't think Maryland could rise up to knock Duke or Florida state out of the number two spot in the East. If, if one of those two teams wins the ACC, that's, that's just looking, where I am. If you want to know the strength of the prognostication capabilities of the DBR podcast, I took a glance this morning at the season preview predictions at the stats game that we're going oh to update formally at the end of the year. Uh, the lowest number of ACC teams that we all said would make the NCAA tournament was seven. And oh, we were wrong. <laughs> hold on. Wait, no. No, no, no. My favorite thing, I want to tease this to make sure that folks come back for the stats game wrap-up. All three of us agreed unanimously on the uh, player for Duke who would score the most points this season. Do you know who we, who we all guessed? I had completely forgotten this. Ma- Matthew Hurt? We all said that Matthew Hurt would be the leading scorer for Duke this season. Oh my so, gosh! Oh my uh, god! Things look things look a lot different. Oh, at the end of the we were wrong. <laughs> things look a lot different at the end of the preseason than they do at the end of the regular season. So with that, let's get to our player of the week, which I know that Jason's already teed up, and then we'll do some quick parting shots. So Donald picked Justin Robinson as his player of the week. Jason Evans picked Justin Robinson as his player of the week. And guess what? I'm making it unanimous. Justin Robinson in his senior week, a a week that none of us could have predicted, is the player of the week. He was four for six. Justin Robinson, let's stop and just remind everyone. Justin Robinson was four for six from three last night. Four for six from three-point range. Amen, brother. He's better than 50% from three in his career. And by the way, according to the stats game, uh, Justin Robinson qualifies for the stats game three-point championship, and he is blowing everyone else away. In oh, that it's not category. even close. Yeah. None of, us, none of us guessed Justin Robinson, but our, our rule in the stats game is that you need to have taken at least uh, 0.5 three-pointers per game. He's taken 21. I think he's taken 21 threes in he his has, 15 yeah. appearances. And 21 is still going to be more than, you know, half a three-point attempt for the entire season because Duke won't play 41 games this year. So hats off to Justin Robinson for just being the lights-out sharpshooter that no one expected. It's uh, it's really amazing. I, I read I read a ton about him this morning from all the other media who were on hand, sort of covering the game. Of course, as you said, Jason. Justin was the was was the star and and had everyone's attention. So there was a lot of great press about him this morning. David Robinson had some quotes last night about uh, how you know he and Justin are a little different. 
David Robinson was more of a post player and Justin's a little bit more of a perimeter player, which is a hilarious understatement. If you, if you've ever seen David Robinson play basketball, but, uh, <laughs> but what a great night. And, uh, and of course the greatest honor that he can win is unanimous player of the week, according to the DBR podcast. So we will finish with parting shots. We already heard from Donald who is, uh, it sounds like having a great time up in New Jersey Jason, give me a parting shot for this week as Duke wraps up the regular season. So the Wooden Award, which is one of the most prestigious of the postseason Player of the Year awards that are out there. The Wooden Award came out with their final, their top, uh, I think it's top 20 players. They had to peel a couple players off who had been contenders. And I was shocked um, sorry, there are 15 players. There are 15 players who are the Wooden Award finalists. Um, I was shocked. One of the players that they peeled off, one of the players they said is not a contender for the Wooden Award is Vernon Carey. Uh, they left Trey Jones. Trey Jones is still on the list, but Vernon Carey was taken off of, off of the Wooden Award list. Uh, among the other players who were dropped uh, off the list was Anthony Edwards of the University of Georgia. Uh, the reason I mentioned the two of them is that as a result of the two of them being dropped from the Wooden Award watch list, from the Wooden Award finalist list, there are exactly zero, zero, none freshmen on the uh, watch list for the Wooden Award. Now, it is worth noting that the Wooden Award, there's a component of it which is ac- uh, you know, academic success and advancing toward your degree that the Wooden, the Wooden folks really say that matters a lot to them. So I think the Wooden Award tends to skew a little bit more toward the guys who've been around a little bit longer and who have um, come closer to getting their degree. But still, for there to be zero freshmen on the Wooden Award finalist list, I think is really significant. By the way, Zion Williamson won the Wooden Award last year. R.J. Barrett was one of the finalists for the Wooden Award last year. So it's not like this is an award that only goes to seniors. Uh, but I think it is very interesting, uh, and it's part of the story of this college basketball season that um, we, we are seeing freshmen have such a small impact or lesser impact on the game um, than they have in in any recent season. It's one of the reasons there's so much uncertainty, I think, about college basketball, because we haven't had as much of an impact from the one-and-done kind of quality players. Uh, but I, I did also, I, I want to say, you know, congrats to Trey Jones for being one of the finalists there. He has had a, a, a great season, and I don't think Trey's going to win the award, but um, it's great for him to be a finalist for the Wooden Award, a very, very prestigious thing. And But I'm just a little, I'm a little surprised that Vernon fell off the list, and uh, for him to then turn around and literally hours after that have the game he had against Carolina, where he where he went for 25 and 10 against some of the best big men in the country, um, maybe those Wooden folks made a mistake there. <laughs> I'll say that the my most interesting takeaway from that is Trey Jones getting national attention. Not that Trey Jones flies under the radar. You know, he's the starting point guard for Duke. Starting point guards for Duke are never going to fly under the radar. But I'll, I'll say that this is a tease for after the season. I think one of the most intriguing intriguing storylines for Duke going into the offseason is going to be Trey Jones's decision about whether to stay or not in, in, at Duke or to pursue his professional career. I think there is a there is a version of the future where Trey Jones is a national player of the year, not just candidate, but winner for Duke. And if he stays three years, we have seen Duke players before stay three years, win national awards, 
graduate and get their jerseys retired. Trey Jones is there is a world where Trey Jones is the next guy to do what Jason Williams once did way back in 2002. But we'll talk about that a lot more next time or not next time. I, think, I guess we'll do that. I kind of think it's unlikely. I, we'll I, do God, it. hey, God, would hey. I love it to happen? I sort of think it's unlikely. Hey, let me let me keep let me keep uh, wishing the future. Keep uh, hope alive. Wishing it. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I have to do a parting shot, which is that one, it was great to be in Cameron last night for the Duke UNC game. I am now, I've now attended seven Duke UNC games. I'm four and three as I'm wrapping up my record, baby. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so I've contributed to the program. I'd like, I'd like my medal or something to that extent. I also uh, recently caught up with one of the DBR founders who was affectionately known as Boswell on the on the boards when he posted for a long time. He shared with me uh, some of the original copies of, did you know, folks, that Duke Basketball Report, before it was a podcast and before it was a forum, was a newsletter that was printed yep. on, on paper, which is a medium that people used to use to distribute uh, news and information. So it was it was a a mailed newspaper that Boswell it, it actually, paper came after stone tablets. Yes, and, and yes, then there was the, the internet in the innovation <laughs> progression. I can tell you, I can tell you all about that. For I am in business school, but they so they used to publish the DBR as a regular newsletter, and so Boswell shared with me a few copies of the original newsletter that I'm taking a look at. And one of the funniest things I shared this with with Jason and Donald earlier. Uh, I think this week or late last week, one of the funniest things about it is that in one of the columns, one of the original DBR writers referred to the Duke players as the Dukies, spelled D-O-O-K-I-E-S, which is so funny to me because in the internet age, in, in all the world that I have known about talking about Duke on the internet, that spelling is is used as sort of Verbal. a derogatory term. It is uh, not allowed. By, yeah, by other fan bases. It's in fact, it's not allowed on the DVR boards, but it was a way that Duke fans talked about Duke players back in the early to mid nineties. So uh what a story in how things change. Uh really, really amazing stuff. So that's my that's my parting shot. We will be back, like I said, later this week to do a bit more of a deep dive on the ACC tournament. Of course, now that it's March, we've got uh, the NCAA tournament coming up, so plenty of reasons to stick around. Again, we know that the we've made the recent transition to our new um, podcast hosting uh, space, so if you're having any issues listening to the show, or you know anyone else who is, or if you have any questions for us, as always, email dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, to rate the show. Uh, we... I don't read them the reviews regularly, but I am sure that they help because I am a podcast consumer and I understand how that stuff works. I'm kind of an expert in this field. But uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. For Donald Wine, who is at a bachelor party, for Jason Evans, who is at home and very tired, I am Sam Klein. <laughs> this, this has been episode 198 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, Duke Band. Take us home.